Welcome to This Is Life. This is, of course, your host, Ashton Johnson. Hey, head us head on over to thisislifepod.com if you want to uh, catch up with all the latest podcast episodes. Um, if you want to email me, thisislifepod at gmail.com. Maybe if you have some uh, topics for the show that you'd like to see talked about or maybe some questions. I love tough questions, too. Uh, if you have any tough questions about the faith or just life in general, I can't guarantee I'll have an answer for you, but I'll definitely guarantee that uh, I will, you know, seek it out and pray about it and think about it and study it and we'll come to the best conclusion I can, hopefully, to just kind of aid us all out there. I think that's the whole thing about, you know, just being good people and good citizens and, and, and even disciples of Christ is that we remain teachable and that we always look for, you know, you know, we, we, none of us have a hundred percent of the right answers, uh, but we should always a hundred percent of the time be seeking the right answers. And sometimes we got to change some, uh, stinking thinking, you know, I love that term stinking thinking that, that can go a long ways. You know, um, there's a lot of stinking thinking going on and, and it's important for us to, and put some air freshener on it. Okay, that was kind of lame. But you know what I'm saying. Just about, you know, changing our thoughts, changing our, the way that we behave and how we have a relationship with other people and making sure that we are just being the brightest, shiniest, be most beautiful light that we can. Um, you know, we don't know how long we have here on this earth. And so let's just pray that every single day that we get when we wake up, we just see, that, see this as another awesome opportunity just to share the light of God and to be a joy for other people. You know, that's one of the things that motivates me, you know, in the morning, not only is it going to be a day that I can, you know, be the best father and husband I can for my wife and daughter, but also just be, you know, be the best American I can be the best stranger I can to be, you know, to be the best brother or, you know, um, employee or, uh, just to whatever degree into whatever representation I am to somebody else. I want to be the best of it. And I want them to have a positive experience with me, you know, and I think that should be everyone's goal. We, none of us should walk around trying to think of how many people we can make miserable today. You know, I, I know that there are people out there, there's people out there who just like to make other people mad, um, you know, and those are awful, rotten people. Um, I mean, it's all over the internet. It's not hard to find somebody on the internet who wants to just make you mad. I mean, there's some people that's literally what they do is they just go on posts and and, and comments and all these things to just to just to get a rise out of people and to cause confrontation. And you know what a miserable existence those people have. Um, and so if we can do whatever we can to kind of compete against that with being good disciples of Jesus Christ and following his examples of love and kindness and grace and mercy and all the other fruits of the spirit that he's given us, man, what a difference in the world we can make. Speaking of making a difference today, I want to, I want to expound on <clears throat> one of the greatest blessings that we have as being a Christian is the ability. And in fact, I even call it a superhero power because it's not something that comes naturally to mankind. You have to be born of the spirit in order to truly live this uh, experience out, I believe. And that is to have mindfulness and forgiveness for all people. Uh, and also not only just about that, but just about Anytime that we are in some sort of confrontation or disagreement or fight, whether it be with a, with a complete stranger, 
or whether it be with our spouse or somebody in our family who we're really close to. I mean, all spectrums of relationships that we have with other people is not always going to be roses. Plenty of times have I made my wife mad or my best friends mad. Um, some of you are shaking your head who I've made you mad. And, and I pray that, you know, you, you and I have come to some sort of agreement and been able to, to, to bury the, to, to bury the hatchet, as they say, and to, you know, grow from those experiences. And, ho you know, hopefully I've prayed and asked for your forgiveness, you know, and, and, and asked to, 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 and, and hopefully that we've been able to get past it. Cause that's what I want. And I hope that's what you want too, that any kind of relationships that we have that we know it's, 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 a, it's a lot more struggle. It, it takes a lot more work to carry around all these weights and heaviness of grudges and bitterness that comes on us when we don't, when we choose to not forgive and we choose to not, you know, find a common ground. We choose to harbor ill feelings toward people. I mean, all those things are, is just weights. They just keep us, you know, so, uh, they, they, they harbor us. They really do. They stunt our growth. And I don't know about you, but I, again, we only have a certain amount of time on this earth, man, if we're going to sit around and waste our time uh, on uh, being unforgiving and unkind and holding grudges, I mean, this life is going to consume us and we're going to get to the end of the, end of the line there and have a lot of regrets and have a lot of pain and suffering that was unnecessary, absolutely unnecessary, especially when it comes to relationships with people. God has given us the tools and the instructions and in his scripture, and along with the example of Jesus Christ himself, how to have a fruitful, positive, loving experience with every man and woman and child on this earth, from, from the closest friend to the worst enemy. Everybody whom we encounter in this world in any way, shape, or form, we can't have these the, the, the tools. And honestly, I personally be the, believe the responsibility to be shining examples of love in every aspect of our life. And so today I want to talk about what is the proper response and how we... If we're, there's one thing that we're all going to have in common, and that is that we're all that that, that we're all going to get in some sort of argument, or fight, or disagreement with somebody. Again, this could be strangers, this could be friends, this could be our spouses, it could be our children. For crying out loud, I'm learning that. My daughter is seven years old, going on seventeen sometimes, and it's a big struggle. I mean, there's a lot of times I'm just like, I know she hears me. I know that she is, you know. I, my commands, I'm talking a loud enough voice for her to be able to hear, but it's like she doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And I, and I know that's a common experience among parents. Uh, I know that I'm not the only one, but for crying out loud, I, I, I was kind of hoping I had a few more years of, you know, being super dad, right, before she would start to give me attitude. But no, that's just not enough. But that's, again, it's a learning curve, and I'm having to learn how she responds to a direction, how I can keep from getting angry, you know, because that doesn't help nobody. Um, 
you know, how I can keep her safe. You know, that's the most of the reason why we ask our children to do things is because we're either trying to teach them something for the future or to keep them safe in the immediate. And, you know, the more that I help her understand that that is my motivation, I'm not just being a mean dad, that I'm trying to either teach her something or keep her safe, then, you know, hopefully that can be reciprocated in acknowledgement and behavior and obedience, you know. And that's the way we ought to be with our father and understand that all the things that he's telling us and even what I'm about to talk to us in a little bit about how, you know, our responsibility and what our uh, expectations are from Christ in relations to arguments with other people. He doesn't give us these things to be killjoys or to put us like, you know, in a position of where we're subservient to another person to the to to a fault. No, it's all about creating harmony and providing the absolute best possible outcome for everyone to happen. And more than any of also, more than anything else, for God to be glorified, which is the end-all be-all for everything. That's what we want. Because when God is glorified, everything else just fits. Everything else just works. And we are blessed because of it. And, you know, because that's all, all of a sudden we are fitting into the the perfect will of God and everything works the way it's supposed to be. So I want to go with you to Matthew chapter five. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. It's, we're talking about what I like to call the hunk and beam and the speck in the eye. Today's podcast, T.B. and Pasal, is was called Mind Your, Bu- Mind Your Business. And, you know, I, 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 I've always enjoyed reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And part of the my favorite scripture is about the, uh, the, the plank in, the, in your eye versus the speck in your brother's eyes. And let me, so let me, hey, give me a second. I should have had this ready, so stand by. All right, so it is in Matthew, okay, I'm sorry, Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 3. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind going there with me. Again, I'm going to put these in the description notes. So if you want to follow along there, you're more than happy. Uh, verse 3 says, And why beholdest thou the moat? That is in thy brother's eye, and the NIV says, "Why do you look at why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye?" Okay, the little tiny dot of speck or of sawdust of sin in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And I like to call it the honking beam. It's amazing how we do this all the time. No matter how many times I've even read the scripture, my first impulse when I'm in a fight with somebody else, my very first impulse is never about the honk and beam of my own eye. It's about the speck of sawdust in their eye. And the reason why I see it that way is like because I'm so consumed with my with my own anger and my own selfishness that I want to look at their problem. My problem doesn't mean as much to me, even though it is a much bigger issue than somebody else's problem. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you then say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when at the same time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This scripture has just has gotten me through so many 
time, like so many, anytime I was in a, a argument, frustration, a contentious experience with another human being, uh, this, along with the scripture that says, if it be possible, as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That scripture, I believe it was in Colossians, I have to remember, but that's the scripture. Though This set of scriptures plus that one has what's gotten me through and allows me to fulfill the, the my prayer request every single day that I be a peacemaker, that I be one who God uses to bring forth peace in the world and not to be one who brings forth uh, contention. There's just plenty of contention in the world. The world doesn't need any more contention. The world doesn't need any more arguments. For The world doesn't need any more discourse. In order, it doesn't need any more debates. For crying out loud, I mean, what do we, especially in the political realm, I mean, there's so much fighting and division. We don't need any more of that. But, but what we do need... Uh, a lot more of is peace and demonstrations of love and harmony and kindness and cohabitation. That That's what we need more than anything else. And that's the only thing that's going to change is not being a Republican. It's not being a Democrat. It's, it's not even having the identity of being a Christian. All of those things are just labels and titles and honestly causing for more division what what we really need is self perspective and self reflection and and self changing being responsible for ourselves first and foremost so that we can then see clearly to see the speck of sawdust in the our brothers our sisters eyes and honestly, you know, most of the time, I believe, most of the time when that is applied, you're going to find out that the, the other person didn't have as much of a an issue to be dealt with in the first place. That Generally, most nine times out of ten, it was us. It was our issue. Or at the very least, when we fixed our own selves, that inspired them to want to change for the better as well. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of do an exercise today. I'm going to ask you a series of, of I'm going to make a series of phrases or rather responses that the typical per, per, person has when they get into an argument or a um, confrontation. The, these are generally, the, these are the responses that we as natural human beings come up with to when we, when we're reflecting on an argument or a, a confrontation or some sort of disagreement or a fight that we have with another person. And so here's what I'd like you to do. Maybe you can write this down. Uh, if you're driving, don't write it down, but maybe come back to it later and, and write it down. But what I want you to do is we're going to take, we're going to take some score here. We're going to kind of do a little test and I want you to rate yourself from zero to 10 on if you've ever used any of these excuses to look past yourself and at, and, and at another first. In other words, that you said these things, and because of that, you are more looking at the other person first rather than reflecting on your own self. Zero being, I never think this, to ten, uh, yeah, that's me. I think that all the time. So just kind of rate yourself on how often uh, or how how... Uh, prevalent these thoughts are when you are dealing with 
how you know confrontation of another with another person again this can be anybody this can be somebody as close to you as your spouse this could be somebody who is a stranger maybe some somebody cut you off in traffic maybe somebody cut in front of the line and and maybe you know somebody tried to shortchange you i mean if there's some something that causes some sort of disruption in uh, a relationship and any on any scale and it causes a fight you know, all of a sudden, now we have something we have to deal with, something that will be worked out. And a lot of times, these phrases I'm about to mention are our go-tos, things that we say right off the bat. So, a zero, so rate yourself from zero to ten on if you've ever used any of these excuses. Number one, have you ever said to your either you know out loud or out loud or in your brain, "It is all their fault. It's all their fault, or his. It's all his fault. It's all her fault." It's all, it's, it's, it's everything. All it's, if this would have happened, if they just wanted done blah, 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 it's all their fault. Now, first off, we have to understand that it's most likely it's not going to be all their fault. Okay. That's just the truth of the matter. Every disagreement, every fight has two sides of the story. And when we ignore the way that we make the other person feel, what happens is you eliminate the need to find common ground. You know, because there's no common ground to be found if you're going to be completely blaming the other person. I mean, how 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 sad is that? You know, we say, especially as Christians, that we want there to be harmony and we want there to be love and we want revival to come. But let me tell you something: revival and is not going to come unless us Christians get our heads on straight and we stop blaming everybody else for the problems that we have. Okay, it's not everybody else's fault. In fact, a lot of times it's our own fault. Um, and you know, it's not, again, it's not even all of all our fault, but you have to at least recognize and be willing to recognize your part to play in the, in the situation. You know, what happens is when you, when you eliminate the lead to find common ground, then you reject the idea that you have any part to find, you have any part to play to find the solution to the problem. And then what happens? Bitterness comes in. A grudge develops. I mean, I've known people who've had grudges on people that they haven't seen in 10 years or 15 years or whatever. It's like, how do you hold on to this? And I'm, and I, I, and I even had to deal with that. You know, I just, just a little bit of inside baseball here. I didn't even know that I was holding a grudge, but I did never knew my biological father, my birth father. And I mean, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say never. I mean, not I was never I was not ever old enough to know who he was, you know, like a father to a son. You know, I just I, I remember being three, four years old last time I saw him. And it wasn't until I was much older and even had an adopted daughter of my own that I realized that he loved me enough to let me go. He knew that my my birth my birth mother who had remarried had to a good man that it was better for me to especially because we lived two states away it was better for me to have an intact home and to live in in and and to not have to travel you know every other month to Texas or wherever you know that that he loved me enough just to to give me stability. But I didn't believe that for the longest time. All I knew was that my biological dad abandoned me. And, you know, um, that's what I thought. 
And I truly don't believe that after talking with my mom and then kind of saying things for as they really were, you know, I given him the benefit of the doubt and I could have held a grudge, you know, and a lot of it was just because I didn't know any better. But now that especially I have an adopted daughter who's not blood related, but yet I love her more than anything uh, because she is my daughter. I've fallen in love with her as a daughter and as, as a father. And there's nothing that could tell me otherwise, can convince me otherwise. I am fully persuaded that she's my daughter. And that's how it is with my 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 adopted dad now. When my I became, you know, a Johnson, I became my dad's son, even though I, I, we're not related by blood. And, you know, it was because he gave me the opportunity to have love from a father that I had not had that was missing. And again, I could very could have well had a grudge against my biological father, but as especially as I got older, I realized, you know, that's just not the truth of the matter. Cause I had to really do some perspective on it. And again, this is my situation. This is not everybody's situation. I'm very blessed in that I have a great mom and a great dad. And then I have a biological father who loved me enough to let me go. Not everybody's going to have the same story, but the point is still the same. The point is that we cannot allow bitterness or a grudge to develop and then fester and to keep on moving and growing in our hearts, especially when we didn't even give um, a, 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 an agreement or a peaceful solution to happen. We just immediately assumed the worst of the other person and never gave them an opportunity to, you know, never told them that, that they hurt you. Or we never gave them an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Or even worse yet, they asked for our forgiveness and we rejected it. I mean, that, that's even the worst thing that we can do. Is that somebody comes to us trying to find a common ground and trying to find, you know, really remorseful and then we reject their forgiveness? That's awful. Like, God forbid we ever do any of those things. So that's not, that's the first phrase. Zero to ten, and if you've ever used it, uh, zero, zero being I've never thought that to ten being that. Yeah, that's kind of a common theme. It's all their fault. Next one. Sure, you know, sure, I get angry, but it's because of the way I've been treated by them. And let me read that again. Sure, I get angry, but it's because of the way that I've been treated by them. All right, so what that is basically doing is you're excusing your own sins by blaming the other person. You know, you're, you're saying all of the, re the only reason why I'm angry, the only reason why I'm frustrated, the only reason why we're even in this this predicament, this fight is because they treated me wrong. Now that does that sound familiar? I mean, we do all do that again, put a zero to 10, how often this is a thought in your head, how likely you are to think these things. Okay. We kind of do some self-reflection here. This is the same thing that Adam did. Remember in the, in the garden when he was confronted by God, remember God went to him first. He threw Eve under the bus, which is I've always wondered. That's why we, I've always wondered why we use that word "under the bus." I, I was hoping that there was some fun story on that phrase, but apparently it's not. It truly just basically means when you are willing to put somebody else in harm's way to save yourself. Uh, and quite literally, the worst thing that you can do to somebody else is throw throw them underneath an oncoming large structure like that. Uh, so literally you're throwing somebody under the bus when you are putting all the blame on them for your own bad behavior. I mean, I mean that's like the worst thing to think about that. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I, I I guess I see a lot. You see a lot in like reality shows. Like I think like Survivor or The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. They're always using that phrase, you know, don't throw her under the bus, you know. And it's always about, again, putting somebody else out so that you can have an advantage. And guys, this world, this life is not a reality show. It's not a competition. We're not trying to outdo one another. And so we shouldn't be trying to outdo one another when it comes to relationship and humanity. I mean, th these are the things that we should be focusing on striving and striving to be better at and, and to be more mindful and more kind and more loving because that's what we all say we want in the end of the day anyway. So why are we not practicing it on a regular basis? Okay. Anyway, um, all right, so let's, uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. Romans 12, 21 says on that, on that point, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, so we, we you know, we can't, we can't sit here and, and, and expect to have any kind of good relationship with people if we're always going to be putting all of our uh, problems and all the blame on everybody else and saying they're the reason why, you know, we get angry. And it's because it's all their fault, you know. Again, it doesn't it doesn't point the light towards any sort of you know unity or you know any sort of you know communion between us and another person. All right, the next phrase is that I want us to, to look at. Again, rate yourself zero to ten on if you've ever said these things or how prominent they are in your mind, in your heart, when you are relating with other people. I'm too angry to look at myself. Okay, you're making an excuse there. I get it, but do we come to we, this happens to all of us? I just I don't want to think about it right now. I'm just too angry. I don't want to talk about it. Now let me now let me tell you something. There's some wisdom in that. I had to learn way on early in my marriage because I was the kind of person that if my wife and I are having a disagreement, I want to fix it immediately. I don't want to just I don't want to sit here and wait, and you know. Before you know, I, was, I want to get it fixed. I, I don't like arguing. I don't like fighting. I don't like issues. And you know, nobody does. But I had to learn that my wife and I handle conflict differently. And she finally had to tell me, like, listen, Sean, I love you. I'm going to help you. We're going to fix this situation, this fight. We're going to come to a solution. But sometimes I just need you to be let me be angry for a little while. You know, just <laughs> let me stew a little bit. Let me kind of just calm down, turn the boiling point down. And, you know, and once I learned the art of that and, and, and also not to neglect her, not to be like, fine, you just go be angry and I don't come back. No, I, I, I just give her some time and, you know, be patient and then go back and, you know, talk with each other, find a way to make a way to make it better. I think the bottom I think the bottom line is is just finding ways to be patient with or you know, with with, with ourselves or with each other. And, you know, I think I think it's also being mindful, not just acting off the cuff, off of what our uh, instincts say. Our instincts are not. We should never trust our instincts, at least when it comes to uh, relationships and arguments and our, you know, wanting to fight. Uh, we should never give in to our primal urges, you know, because that's just not not, not only is it just because it's contrary to the spirit where the spirit is about love and harmony and bringing forth unity and you know and 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 for exhibiting the fruits of the spirit our flesh is not about those things okay so let's move on the next phrase is i'm hurt and they need to suffer 
If we were all honest with ourselves, we've all felt that way. Just because I'm hurt and I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to look their direction. I'm not going to look at things through their point of view because I'm hurt. And because of that, they need to suffer. And I want them to suffer. In fact, the more that I can, you know, let the, make, the, make them aware that I'm angry, that I'm upset, that I'm hurt, that I'm going to give them the silent treatment, whatever I can do to help them to, to see that they, hurt, that they hurt me, then I'm going to make them suffer. And I'm going to do that. And, um, you know, not only is that childish, you know, uh, my daughter, again, I don't mean to keep making her an example, but it's the best, you know, it's one of the closest things to me right now is she's gotten into this thing where if she's mad at my, my wife or I, you know, if we asked her to do something or we said, you know, she needs to, um, you know, she just whatever, just, you know, give her some sort of instruction, you know, it's this, <clears throat> like in the back seat of the car, she'll just be sitting there, you know, <laughs> making these frustrated noises, waiting for us to be like, what's wrong, baby? You okay? And, you know, a lot of times this is what we do is that with that on a grander, on a grander, more awful scale, you know, we act out and oh, the whole reason for acting out is to get their attention, to let them know just how bad they hurt us and be, you know, cause them to suffer. So, I mean, we have to ask ourselves that that is a, one of our first thoughts is I'm hurt. They need to suffer. I mean, we need to ask ourselves, who are we living for now? Are we living for ourselves, or are we living for the Lord? Are we truly saved and are we truly dead to self and risen with him? Or is that just a show? Because the flesh wants other people to suffer for its own benefit because it feeds off of that. If the flesh loves to, to, to wreak havoc and to cause chaos and to for there to be, you know, uh, just a, a despicable sin between people, that's what the flesh craves, like, like a junk food. But the spirit is contrary to that. The spirit is about giving glory to the Lord and there being peace between people. Now, remember, God is the one who's our avenger now, not ourselves. It's not, it's not up to us to go and avenge ourselves against people who hurt us. Romans 12, 19, remember it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, there's two things we can take away from this. Number one, God has freed us from the responsibility of vengeance. Chances are we'd mess it all up anyway. Uh, no matter amount of vengeance you think that you could muster up against that other person to get them to change their ways, you know, again, it's, it's a wrong heart. But number two, it's not going to do a hill of beans anyway. That's first. Second, God is completely capable of taking care of himself on his own. So therefore, we should just trust him to do that. Let me tell you something. There's no amount of pain that you or I, that we're going to suffer that can justify taking vengeful measures into our own hands. It's just, there's just not. It's only going to cause more harm. If we try to take matters into our own hands and not give them to the Lord and, you know, we let our anger be our guide, our hurt be our guide, rather than God's will and his love, it, we're just going to cause more pain and more suffering, and the it's going to be just even more long-term effects of something that could have been handled pretty quickly. 
All right, last phrase that we all may find ourselves in when we're faced with uh, confrontation. On a scale of 0 to 10, how often have you ever said this in your heart? I will be taken advantage of if I just focus on myself. I'll be taken advantage of if I just focus on myself. In other words, if I just if I if I just focus on myself, all of a sudden that leaves me up as a victim. I'm going to be now taken advantage of by the other person. Now, let me tell you something. That's possible. Okay, that's possible. Truth though, it's not likely. And and if you hang around those kind of people, maybe you need to hang around different kinds of people. If you're gonna, if you're, if you're constantly around other people who are, you know, predators on people whom they deem vulnerable, and they see somebody who is strong in the spirit as a as a weak person, then you need to change who you hang out with. God forbid you. That's somebody that we are around. I mean. You know, again, it's possible, but it's not likely. Most of the time, it's honestly, it's completely opposite, in my experience. That when we choose to, to change ourselves, that inspires other people to want to change and to do the same thing. You know, all of a sudden, like, wow. You know, if, if Sean took this opportunity to, to, to seek me out, to seek my, you know, uh, forgiveness out, to seek my love, to seek my, you know, unity with me, maybe I ought to consider doing the same thing with him. And, you know, that, that has to be the number one of number one mindset that we have to have when we're faced with these kind of situations of problems and dilemmas. Again, it's the one, one of the th- exclusive experiences we have as Christians. And it's like, we got, we just don't take advantage of it very often. This being this ab- ab- availability to us and instruction to us to forgive the unforgivable, to love the unlovable. I mean, that's what Christians are, should be known for. And that's what, that's like our bread and butter. Cause that's what Jesus did. Romans 12, 20 says, therefore, if thine, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. If your enemy is in need, you fulfill the needs. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, this uh, <laughs> that particular scripture, I, you know, I, I, it always confused me because it's not something that we do in the 20,000, 20, I almost said 20,000, 21. We're not that far yet. In 2021, we don't necessarily go around and heap coal like that means it can do a completely different thing than I believe what this was intended to mean. We don't go around throwing coals on each other's heads. Hallelujah. And if we did, that'll be considered a bad thing in most cases. Right? So what does that mean? What does that mean when I heap coals of fire on my enemy's head? Cause it sounds like it should be a good thing. Uh, what that basically means, I did some study heaping, burning coals on his head basically refers to a time when keeping one's, I'm reading this from the internets. This is refers to a time when keeping one's earth hearth fire alive was a life save saving necessity. If someone could not keep their fire going, then they would go around the town carrying some sort of container on his head, asking for hot coals to rekindle his fire. Putting coals in this container on his head would benefit him, fulfilling his need and helping him. So that's what it means to heap coals of fire on his head. Whenever, whenever we are 
you know, taking care of our enemy's needs in any way when we are putting them first, even though they hurt us, even though they are angry with us, even though they did whatever manner of evil against them, and we see it as an opportunity to bless them and not curse them, we are giving them what they need. And they therefore, the prayer is that their heart to be changed. And if even if their heart isn't changed, we still did... We, we were so Christ-like to them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did not curse his enemies. No, what did he do? He prayed for them. They were putting him on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay? That's that's what I'm talking about, is that we are, you know, we do, whenever we, you know, I'm not saying we are not going to have enemies. Obviously, we're going to have people that we disagree with or have arguments with or have disputes with. But how we relate to those situations and circumstances determines our measure of our faith. Are you willing to take that challenge of being the the first one to love, the first one to find the unity, the first one to seek out a common ground, the first one to seek out forgiveness more than anything? Are you going to be the one seeking out their needs rather than fulfilling your selfish desires? That's how. That's what I'm talking about. So... How there's some, there's some takeaways here that I want to mention in closing. We need to ask ourselves, how do we then focus on the honking beam in our own eye? You started this off, Sean, with talking about taking care of the plank in our own eye before we can see uh, clear out the speck of the sawdust in our brother's eye. What does that exactly mean? Well, first thing we need to do, we need to ask and pray. We need to pray and ask the Lord to reveal us what is the blockage in my own eye. In this circumstance, in this situation, in this dispute, what is my role? What is my responsibility? What are the sins that I need to overcome and ask forgiveness for in order to bring peace? We pray and ask God for us to see clearly the problem in us. We, got, we have to contemplate and seriously consider ourselves and our choices and take responsibility for our choices. You know, what are the things that we could have said differently? What are some behaviors that we could have done differently? What things could have been done to bring a better outcome of the situation? And how can we, going forward, make sure that this doesn't happen again? You know, we also have to listen and contemplate and consider the other person's point of view. And I'm not saying we're going to always agree. In fact, there is a reason why you were in this dispute in the first place. You may not ever even agree, but it's important that you consider their point of view and you don't put them down for their point of view. In fact, use it as a learning experience for yourself, for yourself. You know, maybe you're in the wrong. There's a good chance you and you're in the wrong. I'm in the wrong. So it's important to look at their point of view so we can have an opportunity to learn something. And also, lastly, in this regard, we have to speak respectfully, okay, purposely, purposefully, courteously, kindly, slowly, okay. We we don't give we don't give an opportunity for our flesh to rise up if we're going to defer in the business of reconciliation. Now, it's important to mention that we got to stay balanced, okay? Because I can even see here some of you guys saying, so basically, Sean, you wanted me to be a doormat. I don't think it's that at all. In fact, I think it's stronger, and I think it's, it's harder to be the one seeking reconciliation than the one seeking a fight because it's, again, not a natural way. But some people, fine. You want to call it a doormat? Let's talk about that. Number one, we have to stay balanced. What that means is that we have to accept responsibility. You have to understand that accepting responsibility is not the same thing as taking the blame. 
again, wherever the blame is needs to lie, leave it there. That's where it is. However, accepting responsibility doesn't mean that I say, you know what, it is all my fault. No. We say, listen, we both said and did some things here that I don't think either one of us are proud of. So let's let's try and figure out a way to come to a solution here because I love you as a brother. I love you as a sister. And I don't want our relationship to be hurt because we chose to say some and do some nasty things to one another. So, guys, don't blame yourself for everything, but concentrate on the changes that you should make. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Concentrate on the things that, that we can do differently to make a better outcome in the future. Also, very importantly, 100%, do not subject yourself to allow yourself to be subjected to any kind of abuse. This means physical abuse. Okay. This means emotional abuse. This means mental abuse, any kind of abuse at all, mental, physical, or spiritually, any kind of abuse at all. Don't allow yourself to be subjected to that. You're better for it. You have to understand that that, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about average, you know, and maybe even heated discussions and problems and communications. But when, but when you're putting that, when you're putting, when you're talking about a, a, a repeated offender, somebody who is uh, tearing somebody else down for their own benefit, no, then the, the best thing you can do with that situation, there's just, there's, there's no reconciliation at that point. The best thing you can do is just to get away, is to seek help from your pastor, to seek help from um, a counselor, from maybe a local you know, authorities, whatever you need to do to get out of a physical or emotional or spiritual abuse, you have to, you have to do it. That's the best thing you can do for yourself and for those whom you love who may be in the same circumstance. Also, surround ourselves. We got to surround ourselves with people who have a positive influence on us, and that we can have a positive influence on on them. You know, surround yourself with people who have the same mindset as you, who desire and want reconciliation more than fights. If you if you find yourself that you're always around somebody who's a brawler, somebody who's always wanting to, you know, cause a disagreement or fight, it seems like every single time you're around them, they're trying to you know, ruffle your feathers. You do. You don't have to be around that. Hey, you don't. You don't have to. You know, you you can choose to walk away. You know, what's one thing I've had to really do is just is to be or surround myself with people who I'm know are not a negative influence who I know are going to be there to support me and to lift me up. And I'm just as motivated to lift them up and support them. And this doesn't mean that any of us are perfect, but what it does mean is that I'm, a, I surround myself with people who have a like minded to want to grow and do better rather than just staying in the same pit that we've always been. You know, that's what, that's what we can do. That's what we that's how we grow. That's how we get better. That's how we grow stronger in the Lord. That's how we live our best life on this world while we're waiting for the Lord to come. And in whatever way, I mean, that we, that's just that's how we do it. So I hope and pray that this has been encouraging to you. You know, when whenever, whenever you're faced to face-to-face -face with some sort of argument, disagreement, and dispute with another person. You know, I pray that you just take these things into mind, take responsibility, and ask the Lord to see for you to see clearly. And then once you're able to see clearly, then you can help your brother or sister with a speck in their eye, and both of you can come to a wonderful, beautiful solution where there was once nothing but problems. Guys, until next time, have a wonderful weekend. God bless you. Aloha and mahalo.